Hope you're all doing well today. If you're joining us from Prosper, welcome to One Community. Don't, address, don't adjust your screens, it's okay. If you're joining us from Garland, what's up, Garland? If you're joining us from the Lou, welcome to the family. If you're joining us from Dallas, hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing good. And, and uh, if you're joining us from Florida, what's up, Boca? Anyways, um, I want to start our service here today. Because there's some people in here that truly don't want to get out of bed. There's some people watching us online right now that uh, you have the TV on, but the truth be told, you're frustrated with life. You just have a numbness that's overcome your whole life. You're sad. All the things that you wanted, you're not experiencing them today. Your friends are way ahead of you. And so it's hard for you. It's hard to get up in the morning because, because there's this numbness that's overcome you. You don't feel like living sometimes. You're disappointed with life. And you're wondering, God, does it, it has to get better than this, doesn't it? I just don't, I feel nothing except sadness, deep sadness. No, I get up and I go to work, but I'm still sad. I get up and I go to lunch and I, I even have people around me, but I'm still sad. I, I get up and I, I come home, but I'm, I'm, I'm sad. Underneath it all, there's a lull that permeates my mind and my soul. I'm just sad. Sometimes I wonder, am I ever going to get married? Other times I wonder, is the person sleeping next to me? I mean, I mean, I just wish sometimes I just weren't there. They don't make it better, they make it worse. And then these kids, they interrupt me in the middle of the night. They come down and, and they want to get in the bed and I just don't want them around. But I can't tell them that because I want the good for them. I just don't feel right. The truth is, if, if, if there was somebody else to take care of them, I don't know that I wouldn't just give it all up. I'm sad. And it doesn't seem as if it will ever get any better. God, are you there? Don't seem like it. I talk and I pray and I get very little response. I'm just sad all the time. And this has become the norm in my life. What do I do? When the person sitting beside me in church, I have no idea. I know I'm wearing Gucci, and I know I'm wearing, I have a Louis V bag, but God beneath it is pain and sorrow and regret and disappointment. 
Are you there, God? Ladies and gentlemen, the truth is that that's how somebody in your row is feeling today. And you have no idea. And they came to church today. They barely made it. But if you could read their thoughts, that would be their sentiment. It happens week after week, month after month, year after year. And the question on the floor is, how do we get there? How do we get there where it's now a lifestyle that I feel? We suggested last time that God has prepared a feast for you. John 10.10 tells us he desires to give you the abundant life. But for some reason, we have allowed the enemy to, to snuggle on up to the table. And so now, the reason you're there is because he started with a thought. And that thought, by the way, you allowed him at the table, and he started with a thought. That thought didn't come from God. That thought came from the enemy. And, he's, and he planted a seed. You're not that good. Your friends are better than you. God made a mistake with you. And that thought has become a pattern. And that pattern has now become a lifestyle. But it started with a thought. Ladies and gentlemen, God says the devil came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And the question on the floor is, is he doing a number on you? We talked last time about, about the flesh. We even talked about the enemy literally putting thoughts into your mind and now you're convinced they're your own thoughts when it really came from him. But on today I want to turn the diamond just a little bit more. And I want to talk about something that's so deceptive. But it's a tool of the devil. It's called the world. We've talked about the flesh. we talked about the enemy putting thoughts. But today I want to talk about the world and how the world has contributed to us being there. See, if you're not careful, the world system simply says, you can get what you want without God. The world system says uh, it's a counter system to the kingdom God is setting up and they want to establish their kingdom and they want to do it without God. So it looks like this. The, 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 the idea of, 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 what I, of what we're going to call today happiness, it has four traits. Four traits to it and you can't do any of them by yourself. You actually need community to pull it off. But watch what happens. There are four of them. The first one is close friends. Watch it now. We need close friends, and if we don't have close friends, then, then the chances of you experiencing happiness or, or deep joy is fleeting. Yet still, only four out of ten Americans say they have zero friends that are close to them. Look at your row. 
I mean, there's somebody walking around here by themselves, having nobody else to pour into. So when they go through pain, the reason it's become trauma is because they're doing it alone. And yet still so many of us are walking around with nobody that we can tell how we really feel. The second one is, is meaningful work. God's given you a gift and he's given you abilities and he wants you to put that to work for his glory. And yet still there's some of us that's just, that's just moseying on our way to work and coming back home and reproducing the same thing. But there's no meaning behind it. And you wonder why you lack joy and you lack happiness because there's no meaning behind the work that you do. You're just going to clock in and clock out. You're just after money and not purpose. The third one then is, 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 is the nuclear family. Watch this one. Now, God created us in, before Genesis chapter 3, and he wanted us to have a, a husband and a wife, and he wanted us to have some kids, and he wanted us to take our relationship that we have with God and create it with, to create an environment where our kids can thrive, then go do that themselves. But enter Genesis chapter 3, and so what we, what we knew as a nuclear family, uh, for many of us, it's now broken and fragmented. And so either because of the way you grew up in, the house you grew up in, you don't get to enjoy a mom and dad at home, or, or because you got a divorce, it's now tough for you, but you don't have this, and the idea of community is now gone. And then lastly is theology. That is, how you're going to interpret what's God doing when you don't have the perfect nuclear family, when you don't have meaningful work, and when you don't have close friends. And if you allow the world to influence how you view God, then it will mess up how you view your interpretation of being single or being in a marriage that you don't like. It's big boy church today, so let's take a little journey. Let's say, no, don't clap here. I promise, I don't need your help today. And I'm also telling you, be careful because there are going to be some points when you don't want to clap. Actually, I guarantee you I'm going to lose some people today. This sermon is designed to lose some. So if you're not careful, listen now, the entire um, fabric of what makes us happy is now being challenged. Listen, listen, listen. And it's being challenged because of something called individualism. Individualism is a, is a social experiment that the United States of America is, 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 is trying you remember how we, how we first got started, right? There was a monarch. We didn't like how they lived, and we didn't like that they controlled everything, and we're just peons. So we said, we can do better by ourselves. So we said, we're going to set up a country, and that country is going to be driven by us, the individual. So now you say things like, I'm going to do me. That comes from the culture that you were raised in. Now you say, I don't need none of y'all. I can do this by myself. That, 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 that don't come from the Bible. That comes from the construct that you're a part of. And so many of you have, have thought that, you know, this is the way to do it. And I'm going to beat everybody at it. And I'm going to be the best at it. And if you're not careful, the world is influencing you. And you don't even know it. 
Let me help you out because God says what I want to create is I want to make sure that you can have the abundant life and enjoy all the things I have for you and live life to the fullest. But he also says something else. He says, if you're going to live the abundant life, the way I created it was I created it so that you can simultaneously, as you have a relationship with me, the way this works is you ought to have a relationship with the community around you. The problem is, in America, we love to say, well, I don't need nobody. All I need is God. Me and God are good. But that is fundamentally um, um, opposite of what the scriptures teach. The scriptures say, I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, and I want you to love, be in community with other people like yourself. Let me help you out a little clearer for you. Some of you don't get it yet. So here's what he says. If you say you want to be by yourself, you don't need nobody, church people crazy, I ain't hanging out with none of them church people, then here's what God says. God says, you cannot have a relationship with me and not have a relationship with others. Let me say it another way. God says, the way that everybody going to know that you love me is by how you love them. So if you can't love them, then you don't love me. You can't say you love me, but you don't want to hang out with people who say they love me. So it is a lie that you have bought into that said, I don't need none of you. I don't need to be no small group. I don't need to serve nowhere. Here's your argument. Because church people messy. Let me remind you, you messy too. That's why we all need Jesus. Any of us not messy don't need Jesus. But since I'm messy, you messy, all God's people messy, then might as well we get in a group and hang out with each other and see if we can look to Jesus and have him clean up our mess together. I'm trying to help you that the very country you live in is fighting against what the scriptures demand that you do. Just by living in America, you are prioritizing this thing called individuals. Anyway, let me move forward. So there, 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 there are eight of these that I want to talk about. They're silent attacks of the enemy on your life. The problem is you don't even know it's happening. So I want to tee up all of the all eight for you, and then I want us to walk through. Now, normally I make it, I bring it all the way down to the lower shelf, but just, just give me a break today. I'm going to show you that I went to school a little bit, and I'm going to go a little deeper than I normally do. And so just bear with me as we walk through these eight. Number one, individualism. In the idea of individualism simply says that you need intimacy, and only intimacy in a safe environment can lead to meaningful connection with God and with others. If you want autonomy, then you can't have intimacy. You're going to choose one. You either choose autonomy or intimacy, but you can't have both. The problem then is most Americans have a tendency to choose autonomy, which means you have forfeited the desire to have an intimate relationship with God or an intimate, an intimate relationship with people around you. Which is why um, Americans have gone from having 3.8 friends to now one point like five friends. Why? The, we, you think that the more digital we are, the more connected we are. But the more digital we are, the more lonely we are becoming. That's why we're now the loneliest generation and the loneliest country in the world. Because we have embraced autonomy at the expense of intimacy. That's the first one. 
following all of these are influencing us. We just can't see them. Number two, then, is the idea of idolatrous ideology. Lord, have mercy. All that means is we have come up with ideas, and we have allowed those ideas to be the filter through which we see people. Lord, have mercy. So whether you're on the one side and your, 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 your thing that you're going to die for is, um, is, 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 is your gun-toting self and you got, to have, you got to have your peace. I ain't nobody going to take your peace away from you and you're going to do you. Uh, all that's fine. All that's fine. But don't hate somebody because they don't think like you. Don't make that the filter through which you see life because that's not what God's called us to do. Or some of you on the other side, I promise you, I'm going down your lane today. You're going to be mad at some point. Get used to it. Prepare your heart and your soul. You're going to be mad. Or on the other side, um, um, it's the Green New Deal and, and everything. Uh, everybody should drive electric cars and anybody that want to drive a gas-guzzling truck, how dare you? You, 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 you messing up Mother Earth. And, and, you go, and so anybody who wants to drive the biggest gas-guzzler, you'll be like, that person cannot love God. And you make it a God issue. And then here's what happens. So if they're like that, then you don't want to have a conversation with them. And they, you want to, they want to talk to you, but you don't want to talk to them. Because you cannot get past the filter, the God that you worship. So you cannot get to the person, although heaven matters more than your little Green New Deal or your little uh, gun-toting self. But you don't think it does because you've made that one thing the only thing to die for. Oh, I'm preaching today. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Number three, number three, number three. Oh, I, pr I promise you, put your seatbelt on. Look at your name and say, put your seatbelt on. He's coming at you today. The next one is moral relativism. Moral relativism, it's simple. It just says, it just says I want to do what I want to do, and I want to make up my own rules of morality, and I don't want you or God to mess with me. In other words, you, you want to be moral and you want to have your freedom, here's what you say, but, but as long as, here's the rule, as long as you don't hurt nobody. So here's the question, who determines what hurt is? Well, well, I mean, it's just general, you will know, you'll know. No, what you're trying to do is you're trying to leave out absolute authority out because you don't want God to tell you what to do, so you want to come up with your own rules and then if you hurt somebody, you get to determine what hurt is. That's why sexuality is so perverse today. Because people want to make up their own rules and then determine what hurt feels like and you get to be the judge and executioner of it all. Because you don't want God. What does the world do? The world system is trying to get you what you want without God. It's trying to get you to some form of utopia without God. That's what the world system is. That's why the enemy is masterful with it. Moral relativism. Number four, come on, come on, come on. I'm coming to you. Digital revolution. Digital revolution simply means that we now want, mm, we now want to connect with people, but we don't want to interact with people. Oh, you've seen it. You've seen, you go out to the restaurant and you see four family members, all of them on their cell phone, not talking to each other at all. Oh, you've seen it. Actually, you've done it. You're texting your kids in your own house. <laughs> it gets worse than that. It gets worse than that. You're texting your spouse because you don't want to talk to them. And they're right beside you. But you text them, talking about, I can't believe you. You better apologize. They're right there. They're right, they're right here. 
<laughs> Do you see what I'm saying, y'all? We have, we have allowed the pursuit of more friends digitally to now be more important than interacting with flesh and blood right beside you. No, watch how it flies in the face of God. Because God says, I want to have an intimate relationship with you. And then God also says, I want you to have an intimate relationship with a few people that you're fighting for and they're fighting for you. Well, if you go digital and not experiential flesh and blood, now you're simply saying to God, keep your stuff. We like digital. And you're doing it because of expedience and efficiency. And you, and you then say, the reason I got to do this is because I got so much to do. I don't have time for relationships. Oh, we're just getting started, fam. We're just getting started. Mm-hmm. Number, number five, political polarization. Come on now. We're living in it. We're more divided now than we are. Listen to this. We're more divided now than we were during the Civil War. More divided now. Why? Because we go to our little echo chambers, our little group think, and we get all the people thinking like us, and we don't listen to anybody else except our crew. We're so narrow-minded that we don't care about the other side. We don't care about the value of the other side. You think there's no value in their thoughts or in their personhood. And so what happens is now we can't even see people for who God created them to be. We can only see people based on how they think and how they vote. And you want to have nothing to do with the other side. No, I have no problem with the world doing it. I have a problem with Christians doing it. As if there's not something bigger than how you vote. Like where you're going to spend eternity. So we have settled for the lower level stuff and missed the high, most significant things in life. Oh, now, let's go to number six. Number six says exhaustion. Lord have mercy. Oh, I'm get, I promise you I'm walking down your lane. I'm just trying to delay as long as I can. Exhaustion. Exhaustion says I'm just tired. Exhaustion says, I've tried to make so much, I've tried to do so much, and now I'm just wiped out. Them kids driving me nuts, my spouse driving me nuts, my job driving me nuts. They're taking from me at all levels, and nobody is giving to me, and I'm exhausted. So much so that the enemy smiles because you have no more spiritual faith, um, um, no more spiritual passion because you're tired doing all the things you want to do. So now the world's supposed to see you have the joy of the Lord and you don't have the joy of the Lord. You tired and broke down. All because of exhaustion, which really comes from the next one, which is careerism. Can I walk down your lane now? Careerism simply says this. It says there's a growing uh, gap between the haves and have nots. And the haves want to have more because it's never satisfying and it's never enough because somebody always have more than you. And so what do we do? We keep performing and we keep performing. And our soul is now addicted to the cult of the career. And now we're vulnerable to burnout. But more important than burnout, we're vulnerable to performance identity. All that means is I am who I am because of how I perform. I don't, get the, I don't get the bonus, then I'm, then, I, then I'm not who I am because now I'm sad because I didn't get the bonus. I didn't perform well enough. I don't get the, the, the promotion. I'm sad. I can't survive because I didn't get the, 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 um, the next job. And since I didn't get the next job, I'm now sad. And I'm sad because I didn't perform well. 
and you live your whole life instead of what God says about you, what your peers say about you, and how you're performing. Some of you live your whole life um, with your kids, making your kids define themselves by their performance. So now if they don't get good grades, you, you make them feel like the scum of the earth. Because they don't get good grades. Not, hey man, God says you're chosen. You're a peculiar people. You're called to greatness. No, no, no. You got to be. How dare you get a B? This household don't get a B. And you have taught your kids without knowing it, performance identity, which means your performance comes from how well you're doing or not doing. Your performance does not come from what God says. And so you've raised up a generation because you live that way. That think, if I don't perform well, I am nothing. Which is why you can't perform when you don't have a job, you lose your mind. As if there is no God in heaven that wanted you to make you lie down in green pastures for a while. And you make it look like, oh my God, I can't perform, I can't perform, I can't perform. And now all of a sudden, you are sitting in bed weeping because you can't find a job. As if your God don't know that. And as if he doesn't have a plan for you. And for your greatness in the midst of you lying down. The, the last one is number eight is, watch this one now, um, injustice. Be careful. Be careful. Here we go. Be careful. Injustice. What does injustice mean? It means be careful that you don't go so far with injustice that you become the oppressor. Be careful that in your desire to do what's right, to create this utopia without God, that you don't become the oppressor who now is trying to oppress everybody else because of what they did to you. Okay, let me help you out. Be careful that you don't get so attached to a system that now you want to replace the cross as a pendant with a white chair. Be careful that you don't want to get even to people when they do bad to you. Be careful that you don't want revenge. Be careful that you don't want to make sure, oh, you're going you to feel it for what you did. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't make you feel it for what you did? Be careful when you're trying to do good, but you have the bad motive for it. And so the world's influencing you, and you jump in on a bandwagon that wants revenge when the people of God is supposed to say to God, God, what's the best thing for me to do in this situation? And I want to serve you in this, not join an organization that might have ulterior motives. I'm fine with the rest of the world doing it. The problem is when Christians do it and then believe that it's cool. And I know you do because you post it everywhere for people to see with your foolishness. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Be careful. Be careful of all these eight because before you know it, you're going to have the, the enemy use these to keep you away from God. Be careful that you're not diluting Jesus. Be careful that you're not going places that worship the devil and sprinkle the church in there. Don't let me go. I'm, let me, you know what? Let me go down your street right now. Be careful that, that, that you don't go places. One week, one, one day you go to Renaissance. The other day you go to glory. No, he didn't. Doesn't he know that there are four people you never talk about in black America and in black Twitter? You leave Obama. You leave Michelle. You leave Barack. You leave Oprah. And you leave the Bayhives. Don't touch them. Because if you do, you will be canceled. Let me help you out. 
when the beehive comes out in a devil suit. When the, bay, when, 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 when the beehive have the church sprinkled all in the background. Stained glass windows. And the devil and diluting both of them. And you standing up like you're in church talking about, yeah! Somebody, somebody has diluted Jesus to Hollywood. And when we think that somebody would dare talk about it, you get mad at them. All of a sudden, you go from, from, from let me worship, I don't know who, to let me worship at glory. And I see you in both places talking about, hey, 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 hey. I just have one question. Have you forgotten who you serve? Now listen, I know some of you are going to say, oh yeah, he's just one of them legalistic preachers. You do have freedom to do whatever you want to do. You absolutely have freedom. That's why the Bible says you have the freedom. But some things just ain't wise. Especially when the dog in your God out. And you, and you entertain it, and you stay there, and you stand up while they're, while they're worshiping somebody else, not your God. And you think that's normal. And you think that's cool. And you think, ooh, I'm with the in crowd, yay. Um, let, me, let, me, let me show the world where I'm at, because I want them to see. And when you have legs open, <laughs> if the wrong person did the same thing you would cancel them because of how derogatory it is against women but when it's one of the holy four, it gets to slip in. No, 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 hold on. Now, now listen, it's okay if it's the world, they don't know no different. But if it's the people of God, no, I, again, I'm not telling you that that's just from the pit of hell and you need to just never go there. And here's what I'm saying. I'm saying you have freedom, but if you do it based on God's word, you're supposed to be wise with what you expose yourself to. I don't need, you remember I told you, I don't need you to clap today. I'm good. And I'm good because I know I got a word from God for us today. Now look here. Be careful when you think it's so cool to be hip and popular that you can, listen to what we did, that you can go to Renaissance till 2.30 in the morning you must be asking me, how you know so much? Well, you there, Pastor? <laughs> I, I was not there. But then, but then, but then, you can go to glory the very next day, a little bit after. And, and you think the two are kind of like equal. You, 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 go, you go to this conference, and you go to this concert, and... <clears throat> And for you, it's kind of like the same thing. We're just, we're just going to be entertained. And I'm just here to, I just came by to tell you, be careful what you let through your eyes. Here's what, stop, stop, stop. Here's what, because 
it can become so normal that you don't realize how diluted you are and how easy you are for the enemy to say, I got him. What's he trying to do? He's trying to make you feel good so you don't want what God has for you. What's he trying to do? He's trying to make what God has for you don't look like abundance. It looks restrictive. So that what, what the B, by the way, I'm an equal opportunity preacher. I'm Swifties. You have, you have the behalf and you have Swifties. If you don't know what that is, it's okay. I'm just trying to tell you I'm an equal opportunity preacher. You have them both. And if you want me to go further, you have Cowboy Nation. And if you want me to go, you have Laker Nation. Now, again, I'm, in no way am I just saying you need to just get out of the world and be a monk. But what I am saying is that you ought to evaluate where you go and where your kids go. Because they're subtly influencing us. And it's not to God. It's away from God. Can I get a witness one time? All right. Some of you be like, that, that's not in the Bible. I don't know what you're talking about. So let's jump to the text now and see what the text has to say. I have to lay all of that so you could get to the text. Romans chapter 12. We're going, I'm going from 1 to 21, but we're not going to get it all done today. So here we go. Watch what he says. He's, Paul is so passionate about this thing. He says, therefore, the reason he says, therefore, is because you have the first 11 chapters that he has shared with us the, 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 the authority upon which he speaks and the, 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 the power of the theology that he died for you, that he, that he saved you, that he empowered you with the spirit to overcome the flesh. And now he's saying, in light of this great trophy of the gospel that God has given us. He uses this word. Don't run past it. He says, I urge you. The word is, the word has the strength of, I am pleading with you with everything I got. He's on his knees begging. Will you please get this right? In light of what God has done, you paid to go to those concerts. He died and picked the tab up for you. And in light of that, he says, you're going to treat him like that? He says, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, chapter 1 through 11. Here we go. Watch this phrase now. To present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Whoa, Paul, hold on. To present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Hold, whoa, whoa, whoa. To present your body. I, that, that sounds like language I've seen before. Okay, so who, who, you say we ought to present something. Every time we come before you, we ought to present something, God. Well, b- before, you used to present a lamb. So we used to do, we used to have the lamb, we used to take the lamb, we used to kill the lamb, and we used to present it before God. When the angel of death was walking over, you used to take some of that blood, put it on the post, and then the angel will fly over. Huh. But hold on, there's a development of the idea. It develops into Abraham, take your son, your only son, and present him to me. Present him to me. I want you to kill him and offer him to me. Okay, good. So Abraham goes, and he says, all right, God says it. I don't know what he's going to do, but here we go. And he gets ready to kill him, and God said, no, God said, no, 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 no. I got something for you. Here's why. Because, because Isaac was just a shadow. You can't kill a shadow. You, you can try to kill a shadow, but you can't kill it. Hey, Isaac, you're just a shadow. So come here, but he's pointing to something that's going to come in the future. And when that shows up, you're going to understand why. He said, don't kill him, don't kill him, don't kill him. I want to set you up for what's coming. And then Jesus shows up. What does Jesus do when he shows up? 
he presents his body to the Father. Having, having been slaughtered, he now presents his, he was stretched real wide and he was hung high. And, he, and, and, and it says, it says, it says, it says, he says, he says, it is finished. And he presented himself to the Father. Are you watching the picture? So now, after Jesus did that, guess what he says here? The same thing I did, I want you to do. Present your body to the Father. Um, whenever you go in the tabernacle, the tabernacle has no cheer because every time you go in the tabernacle, you should be presenting something. You, you don't just walk up in there talking about, hey, what's up, what's up? No, no, you walk up in there and you have something to present. Same way, when you come into the house of God, you should be presenting something. That's why when you come in, nobody has to motivate you to worship. You should have your worship ready to give to God. That's why nobody needs to motivate you to give. You should have your gifts ready to give to God. That's why nobody should motivate you to serve. You should have your service ready to give to God. You come into the presence of God and you come in ready to present. To come in here and, oh man, oh no, I shouldn't even be in here today. I ain't feeling this today. Here's all you just said. I have now minimized you, God, to my level. That's what we've done over time. Watch this now. So then he says, I want you to present your body. So watch it, watch it. A living sacrifice. Let's deal with living first. When you go into the... Um, when you go into the tabernacle, there are four, there are four um, horns at the end. And what you do um, is you'd get the, watch it now, you'd get the animal and you would stretch it and you would tie it on each of the four horns. So, that, so that the animal is tied and the animal can't move. So now, even if he wants to get off, he can't get off because he's tied. The Holy Spirit says, hey, when you present yourself a living sacrifice, there are going to be some things you want to do. But because you're a living sacrifice, you're tied down. So you're going to be twitching. Man, that'd be good. Man, my friend's having some fun over there. Man, I want to go do that. But since you're tied down and you are a living sacrifice, you're not going to do just what the body tells you to do. You're going to do what pleases your master. I wish I had a weakness in here today. Lord, have mercy. He says, not only present your bodies as living, then he says, holy, you know holy, you really do know holy. Holy means separate, to separate, to set apart. He says, you're set apart. You ain't for everybody. You ain't, there ain't everywhere you don't need to go because you're set apart. Let me help you out. You know this in your, in your kitchen right now, you got some dirty dishes. Them dishes ain't set apart. They nasty. In your cupboard down the bottom and up the top, you got some, some dishes. But then the regular ones you use every single day. Your kids use them. They throw them up in the air. They break them. Everything. They, 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 them, them regular dishes. But good God Almighty, everybody got some china. And them chinas, you don't even use it sometimes for the whole year. It's staying stay that little. You can see, in, at least my house in Jamaica, you can see through. It's that old, big old thing. And, you, and my mama never take them out. Unless somebody really important shows up. And sometimes ain't nobody really important show up for a year. So I go through the whole year without it. Can I get a witness somebody? Is there anybody else in the house? You got it, you got it, you got it. That is why God says, you're now set apart. You're not for everybody. That's why, that's, I feel a pull right here. That's why some of you going to places you have no business going to. Because you're supposed to be set apart. You're supposed to look different. 
some of you woke up in a bed you had no business waking up into. I'm pausing for effect. <laughs> you set apart! <laughs> the people who are laughing is the one I'm concerned about. Anyways, um, 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 um. <laughs> you're supposed to be set apart. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? You're set apart for his use, not for your own use. Which is why you should consult before you go anywhere, God. Is this an appropriate place for your vessel to go reflect to you? Does that make sense, everybody? Is this an appropriate place? No, 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 no. Listen, if you're not surrendered to God, then none of this applies to you. Do whatever you want to do. But if you are going to do verse 1, then you've got to be surrendered to him. If you surrender to him, then you've got to get his permission through his word. If that's the place. Why is it you want God to tell you when it comes to a career, but you don't need God when you're going anywhere else? Every time you, oh, yeah, God, I mean, is this the one God? Is it, ask him, is, is, is this the place you should go? Ask him if this is a thought you should think. But you only want him to show up when you need something from him. Not for him to dominate your whole life. And he says, I, I urge you, Paul says, to present your body, live something holy and acceptable to God, which is what you're supposed to do, which means if you don't do this, it's because you don't understand chapter 1 through chapter 11. If you understood the sacrifices he made just to make you connect with the Father, then you would say, here I am, said me, Lord. Verse 2, here it goes, surrender to God, verse 2. It says, here we go now, this is why I read all the things I did, and this is why I told you those eight. And do not be, say this word with me. Here we go. Don't be mold into the world system. It wants to mold, it wants to make you and the world look the same. Don't be mold. It's, it's, it's used of a, a potter who, who's, who's taking some clay and forming something. Don't be mold into their viewpoint, which is why you can't just one, have one echo chamber that you listen to. Because then they're molding you into the way you should think according to the world. He says, use the word of God and let it tell you what Christ tians look like. He says, don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, you got to get your mind right through the word of God, not through the culture, so that you may prove what is the will of God. Many of you are looking for the will of God, but you conform to the world. You can't find out, so that, that's, why, that's why you have to tell yourself, yeah, God told me this, because you cannot find it in the Bible, so you have to make stuff up to say, God told me this. Somebody called the other day on a pain-free dating call, and you know what she said? She said, God told me this is my husband in a dream. Then she says, but he just got married, or he's going to be married. Who wrong? <laughs> Is it you wrong or God? Be careful that you don't let the world conform you into, your, into their system. You want something too bad. What you want to want bad is God and Jesus, not whatever you think the world thinks is important for you. Therefore, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Say, God, not my will, but your will be done. Next verse, verse number three. I'm almost done. Verse number three. I'm trying to get to 21, but we ain't going to get there. Verse number three. 
for through the grace given to me. Through the what? Grace. Through the what? Grace. grace. You didn't deserve it. You can't earn it. It was just bestowed unto you. Give it to me. I say to everyone among you, listen to his next phrase. Not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. That's why there's no Christian that can be an arrogant Christian. It's not possible. You can't sit at that table and think you all that. You can't sit at that table and think, I'm, I made myself get here. You can't do that. Why? Because it is purely the grace of God that allows you your next breath. It is purely the grace of God that gave you the mind to get the degree. It's purely the grace of God that gave you the, the, the idea to come up with, the idea that you came up with to give you the blessings that you currently have. It's not just you. It is the grace of God in your life. That's why all of us have to be humble. Every last one of us. That's why all of us have to say, nobody big, everybody little. And you should have that posture. I don't care how much you wear Gucci and all of the other ones. I only know two. Gucci and what's the other one? V. Louis V. Uh, there's more, but I don't know them, so I can't call them. But, but, but you cannot just think because you have nice stuff. It means you're better than somebody else. The text is so clear. It says, come. The only way you're going to make this kind of life in community works, which is what you're going to talk about next, is if you start with you being humble. Because if you're not, you're going to mess up everybody else. Next verse. Here's what it says. It says, for just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. Next verse. Here's what it says. It says this. It says, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. What does that mean? You want to be a part of the Laker Nation, the Cowboy Nation, the, B, the Bay Hive, or the, or the Swifties? He says there's... You ought to be a part of kingdom people. People that Christ went to a cross to die for, to set you free so you can be a part of that body. It's the reason why when somebody comes and say, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm not into serving. Are you, are you, are you kidding me? Do you know what he did to allow you the privilege to even say you're not willing to serve? He died on a cross to let you have the gift you have. And the only reason you have it is because of his grace. And you use it for your job, but you don't want to use it for the kingdom? That's because you're stuck on individualism where you think it's all about you. But no, 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 no. He gave that gift to you. And he gave it to you so that the, the gift is not for you. The gift is for people in the body. Everybody, that's why nobody can be arrogant. Because when you have a gift, God gave you not you, but to bless other people. How dare you say? Mm-mm. Church, church people do messy. I'm not messing with them. Good, then go be the light. Since you are the perfect one, come be the light and mess the rest of us up too. <laughs> be careful what you say. Somebody ought to challenge what you say because it's coming not from God but from somewhere else. Next verse. Here we go. First, I'm going to verse 10. Let's get there. Come on. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given, grace given to us, each of us, listen, it's to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. Next verse. Here we go. And if service in, the, in his serving, or he who teaches in his... Next verse. Come on. And then it says, or he who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberty. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying that you as a Christian, you one, you should be surrendered to God. Two, you should be separate from the world. Three, you should be sober in your self-evaluation. Then he goes and says, then you ought to now serve the body in love. 
And then last of the last part, which I'm going to read just because it will mess some of you up. In the last part of the passage, it's going to say, and then you need to ask God for extraordinary, supernatural filling of the Spirit to deal with difficult people. Watch what he says. Pick it up in verse 18. Verse 18. Pick it up in verse 18. It says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, finish it with me, be at with all men. In other words, there shouldn't be nobody you're not at peace with. Preach, pastor. Nobody. As far as it depends on you. And that, you know, some, of, some of us are so crazy. We've been talking about, well, I tried one time and it didn't work, so I'm at peace. No, no, no. You're not at peace. You're deceiving yourself. That's why you need to be in community so somebody can tell you, really, it's one time. Did Jesus forgive you one time? How many times he forgave you, right? Watch the text. Watch it. It gets better. It gets better. Next verse. I want you to read these now. Never take your own. No, see how you don't want to read it? Come on, everybody. Read it with me. Never take your own beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will. In other words, there are too many of us that want to get even, which means you don't trust God. There are too many of us, and you don't realize it, the world is pulling you back. Come on up here. Come on up here, Z. The world is pulling you back, and you don't even realize it. It's pulling you away from the table, and you don't even realize it. So you have this deal, and God's saying, okay, here we go. I want you to love me with all your heart, and stuff is keeping you away. And what's keeping you away? Is that individualism? What's keeping you away? Is digital revolution? What's keeping you away? Is um, exhaustion? You're tired? What's keeping you away? Is moral relativism? All these are keeping you away. And here's what happens to you now. See, I'm trying to get to God, but the enemy is so good, I don't even know these things are attached to me. And the more I try to get to God, the more he's pulling me. And I'm trying to get to God. God, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. But you're in the world so much that is keeping you away from God. And you don't even know you're being kept away from God. And it just, it's so subtle. It happens. And you're trying to get to God. You're trying to get to community. But you can't because the world keeps pulling you back. My, you know what my prayer is for, church? That he will open our eyes. So we can see when what the enemy is trying to do so that it will become so blatant. You say, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to create a turnover throne. Where? Whenever somebody in my community group see one of these things that are attached to me, I give them the right to take it off of me. And when they take it off of me, I'm going to tell them, I'm going to thank you. I'm going to throw a party for you because I want none of the enemy's worldly systems to be attached to me. So in the name of Jesus, I cast down every last one of them by the power of the Holy Ghost inside of me. I rebuke you, devil. You done made a mistake. You made me come to church today. I'm done. Watch what it says. Thanks, Pastor D, as I close. Last verse, last two, and then we're done. Watch what the text says. Next verse. It says this. It says, watch it now, watch it now. This is how Christians live. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he's thirsty, give him a drink. 
For in so doing, watch it now, you heap burning coals on his head. Let's explain this real quick. In Proverbs chapter 21, it tells you what happens. It's, an Egypt, it's actually an Egyptian tradition that when you show good to somebody, they will feel so bad on the inside, they will carry coals around. Why? So everybody else in the world will see that they were wrong in the relationship you had with them, and now they're carrying it around with a contrite heart asking you to forgive them. But you're not doing it so that you get what you want. The reason you're doing it is because you trust God. That he is the one that can extract vengeance, not you. Ladies and gentlemen, that's how we live. I don't care how any other group live. That's how Christians live. We don't try to get even. We simply return it with love. Last verse and then we'll walk out. Read it with me slowly. 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 Here we go. Do not that's not, stop, 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 stop. Here we go. Do not be overcome by evil. But Now, the reason you can't do that is you have to have the Holy Ghost inside of you. Because that's supernatural. Your assignment is to be supernatural and allow the Spirit of God freedom to move through your life toward those you love and those you hate. In Jesus' name. Father, will you help us today? Every last one of us, we might have come in here today, God, and the truth of the matter is we barely made it out of the bed. The truth of the matter is we're in a state of sadness. The truth of the matter is we don't even want to potentially live anymore. Will you please, God, meet us right where we are today? And then, God, there's some of us that don't even realize how much the world has gotten and infected our souls. Will you reveal it to us? Will you help us to identify two or three of these and, and where we might be prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love? Will you, will you expose it, God, in community so that we can talk about it and so that we can encourage each other to simply spend time at the table for two that you've blessed us with? And then, God, there might be others who don't want to be in community. Will you remind them that they're falling prey to their culture? And that you made us for community. You made us to connect with one another and fight for one another and cry for one another and support one another. Will one community be an environment where this happens? Please, God. Where we realize the traps of the enemy through the world. We expose them and we walk in humility as we serve the body and as we supernaturally love those who are hard to love. Teach us. Now, God, as we go, Will you, will you remind us that this was the huddle? And so now we go out into the world to shine our lights, not join darkness, but shine our light in the midst of darkness. Prepare everybody's heart. Those who are mad at me right now, give them grace to forgive me. Those who hate me right now, show them that they got to do good to me no matter what, God. <laughs> Thanks for loving us the way you do. We love you in all our hearts. In Jesus' name. Everybody say